Paging Dr. Seiler, Paging Dr. Seiler. If you're feeling run down, tired, exhausted by the daily drip, drip, drip of your life-saving straining away, the Stock Doctor's Prescription may be right for you. The Stock Doctor's Prescription will give you the ease and peace of mind knowing that you're getting the best possible information. Do not use Stock Doctor's Prescription if you're allergic to Stock Doctor's Prescription or any of its ingredients, including but not limited to wisdom, research, critical thinking, thoughtful discourse, occasional fart jokes, drinking references, drum solos. Side effects of the Stock Doctor's Prescription may include unwieldy wealth deposits, previously unknown relatives, groupies, extended comfort in your retirement, and swelling. The Stock Doctor's Prescriptions are available at Walgreens, Apple iTunes, and everywhere the better podcasts are available. And right here, this is the Stock Doctor's Prescription. Welcome, everybody. You are listening to the Stock Doctor's Prescription, or you know that already because Million Dollar Bill even stated it in the intro, but you are listening to us on the Florida Man Radio Network and maybe podcast as well. You know, it depends on uh, how your your favorite medium is to listen to the show. But uh, again, we appreciate you listening to the show. Today, we're going to talk about all kinds of great things going on in the markets. I mean, especially the market itself, which two weeks in a row, I mean, uh, three weeks ago, People wanted to get out. The world's coming to an end. The sun's in my eyes. I have a pebble in my shoe. And all of a sudden, two weeks later, you have a, an 8 9% rally off the low. And now people are thinking, hey, guess what? The worst is over. I don't think the worst is over yet. I mean, I think there's still some more downside, and we're seeing that today. So let me go ahead and just um, give you a baseline here. Let you know when we're recording the show. It is Thursday. All right. Yes, you're listening to us on Saturday or Sunday. April but, Fool's. Yes, but we are recording it on uh, Thursday, the end of the quarter, March 31st, and it's about uh, 3.48 p.m. So I'm going to tell you what the market's doing right now, which we tried to rally a little bit, got to near break even, down a little bit, and now we're starting to sell off a little bit more here towards the end of the day with about 12 minutes left in the session. The Dow Jones down 361 points at 34,867. The NASDAQ down 108 at 14,333. The S&P 500 down 40 at 4561. So for the quarter, guys, uh, we're going to be down. And by the way, before I go any further, let me introduce uh, the crew to you. We have Aaron Simonetz in the house. Hello. We have the fiscal therapist, Jared Bocart, and our megalennial, Nikki Ward. We got to come up with a nickname. <laughs> he who must be named. We can, uh, we'll come up with something, Aaron. We will. I mean, Aaron is a hey, Marine. Hey, Ron. <laughs> Aaron is a Marine that is, uh, did two do- tours in the Middle East. And, Correct. All right, the yeah. Punisher. <laughs> the Punisher, that's right. So, I don't know if you want to go to a financial the Punisher. Punisher advisor that's, you know, nicknamed the Punisher. He punishes the stocks. Yeah. All right, sure. <laughs> so Which we're going to talk about a lot it. of different things. And, and look, earnings season's coming up here shortly, so we'll talk about that. We'll talk about what we think the month of April is going to bring. Again, these are these are just our opinions, not the opinions of the station, ownership, staff. Uh, also, if we come out with some recommendations and, and things that we talk about that we do like, either we either own them personally or our clients own them or we would buy them, they're not necessarily recommendations. So you give us a call at the office, 407-831-8002, 407-831-8002. Zero, zero, two. But like I said, we had two up weeks in a row across the board. 
um, which is pretty good considering where we were. Absolutely. For the quarter. Nice break. For the quarter, it's not going to be that awful. For stocks, <laughs> the Dow Jones will end the quarter down about 3.5%, the S&P about 3.8-ish, the NASDAQ about 8%, the Russell 2000, excuse me, small caps, about 7%. Um, this month, we're going to see a pretty good move here. I mean, we have uh, the Dow is going to be up three and a half points percent this month. The, the S and P around four and a half, four point six. Same with the Nasdaq. The Russell underperforming a little bit, but um, you know, to log two weeks in a row after really a disastrous, quite a bit of carnage beginning of the year. There was a lot of damage to to a lot of charts on all exchanges and indexes. But as I said, the stocks. Stocks were not the worst performing asset class, certainly, in the first quarter. How often does the bond market perform way worse than stocks? Not frequently. Not frequently. And I, and I wish I could look up to see the last time it happened, and I just thought about it. But the bond performance has been absolutely miserable. And why is that? Well, rates are going up. The Fed telegraphed what they were going to do. The market anticipated it. The uh 10-year Treasury rallied to about almost 2.5%, touched on there, and then pulled back a little bit, but still trading right below it to 2.47. Flirting. But when rates go up, the value, excuse me, the value of the bonds go down. So the U.S. Treasuries, the 10-year Treasury is down. So if you had your money in a 10-year Treasury, which is a supposedly a guaranteed investment, and it is guaranteed if you hold it for 10 years, Backed by the full faith and credit of the United States government. Backed by our government is down for the quarter 4.59%. Does that mean I have to pay the government 4.9% at the end of my 10 years? No, it means you're still getting your coupon of whenever you bought it, two point something. But <laughs> but me, you lost money. The value is down 2.59%. Brutal. I mean, it's it's just what the, what's going on right now. Yeah, and, and uh, Ginny Mays down almost 5%. The U.S. ag, so basically the U.S. bond market, down 6.89% for the quarter. Corporate high yield. Junk. One of the best performing, only down 5.68. Corporate invest, here's what doesn't make sense to me. Corporate high yield is significantly outpacing corporate corporate investment grade bonds, which those corporate investment grade bonds, that's triple B or better, down 9.04% for the quarter. And high-yield bonds are technically classified as junk. Junk, yes. Because they are not as highly rated as far as their credit. Credit quality. I mean, those are the companies that are, if there's going to be a likelihood of somebody defaulting, those would be the ones. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so I was going to say, that this means that if the company will default or go bankrupt, declare bankruptcy, there's a risk that you'll lose right. your money. And that's why they have to pay a higher interest rate. And that's why it's so it's so important that to keep these credit ratings high on the companies, if your credit rating drops to, you know, even from a double A to an A, that's a negative move. And that means they'll have to pay more interest to get more money in the capital markets. So for the investor to take on that risk. Exactly. So look, the bond market, is it going to be bad for the rest of the year? Probably. Rates are likely going to go a little higher as far as uh, we know the Fed funds rate is going up, but the 10 year treasury. You know, I think it touched 275, maybe 3%. I mean, the Fed tightens until something breaks. And the Fed's always wrong, usually. Yeah, I mean, they've, it, as far as within the last 11 tightening periods, they've nailed a perfect soft landing one time in the early 1990s. Yeah, soft landings don't usually happen 
with the Fed when they're involved. And now they're changing it to soft-ish, which I think is just a synonym for bumpy. Yeah, no, I agree. And uh, But you look, over the last couple of weeks, we saw a huge rally in some of the important. And we came in last week and I said, you know, I see some of the important stocks, the Googles, the Amazons, the Apples of the world, they are bottoming out. And all of a sudden now, Apple put together before yesterday, put together an, a winning streak of 11 straight days. Apple hasn't had an 11 straight day winning streak since 2003. And this, again, this rally came alongside a market rally that had some optimism about potential negotiations and, and ceasefires in uh, the Russian-Ukraine situation. But Apple's market cap was nearing $3 trillion once again. And, um, but their rally basically wiping out the losses for the year. Now it's still about 3% off of its January 3rd high. But um, I'll tell you what, that's a, a pretty good move for Apple. And, you know, they will report earnings on April 28th. So we'll see. We own, by the way, Apple is our number one holding. Uh, I own the stock personally and, and, again, our number one holding for clients. So uh, I love the stock. Would I buy it here at 175? Probably not. It's a little extended. You know, Apple's a kind of stock you want to buy when nobody wants it. And it was just at 150. And nobody wanted in it. In March, nobody wanted it. It was, uh, and it got down last year to 138 in uh, September, October of last year. Nobody wanted it. And these are the kind of stocks you have to pick up when nobody wants them. I think it's also pretty unique and funny that in 2003, the last time we saw this 11 day streak, the best and fastest, you know, selling product that Apple had was the iPod. The iPod in 2003. I had one of those. I did too. Which one? The. I don't even know. It was the, the one shuffle. that had the little pad. It I was think the, dial. the classic. And yeah. then that upgrade upgraded to the video. It wasn't the shuffle. I know that. Yeah. Yeah. I had a little round dial. You go, yep. There was the mini, which was a little smaller than that, like the big fat one. It was the mini as well. But, you know, Apple is, um, we'll see. They're coming out with new products. There's talk about autonomous vehicles. There's a lot going on at Apple. Their subscription service for devices. Yeah. And um, Apple Plus. Just won getting, an Oscar. They did. That got buried in the uh, the lead, huh? Sure, to get buried in the headlines, didn't it? I didn't want to get to that. that one right out of the news. I don't want to get that. Um, you know, in Apple, they did a stock split a couple of years, about a year and a half ago now, August of 2020. Another company who has asked their shareholders in the meeting they want to split their common shares. That is Tesla, another stock that we hold, a top ten holding for us. Tesla split their stock in August of 2020 as well. They went five for one. But in the stock, at that point, August 31st, closed at $498. Today, Tesla's at 1080 so more than doubling since the last split. So, um, we Did have, he ask his Twitter followers in a poll if he should, should he, do this? Should he split? Well, it's, it's a common theme now. We're starting to see more of this. Amazon announced a stock split 20 for 1. That will occur in June of this year. Google announced also a 20 for 1. That will occur in July, and I'm going to give you my guesstimates for the next couple stock splits. I think that uh, CMG, which is Chipotle, I think that company will certainly uh, execute a stock split. They've never done one, and the stock's trading at $1,586 a share. I think that makes sense. The guac being extra adds up. Well, adds up? Yeah, I get it. Because they charge extra for guac? I, I don't go there. Oh. oh Do they charge I don't either. 
Yeah, they, every every restaurant charges extra for guac. I had no idea. I don't eat guac. So even if I went there, I wouldn't. I wouldn't anyway, Tough crowd. My next company that I think will will split, I think Costco. I think Costco's going to split. It's trading a really high multiple right now. In fact, I think Costco's probably overvalued, trading at 46 times earnings. But I think that, and they, they have split before. At Costco, their last split was uh, January of 2000. They did two for one. Before that, it was eight years previous. They did a three for two. And then back in 91, did a two for one. So I think Costco's going to do one because I think they want to keep their shares a little bit frisky. And why do companies split their stock? There really is... There's no financial reason to do it except for if they want to add liquidity, meaning they want to be able to have institutional buys and sells without moving markets. And really, it is a, it's, a, it's basically excitement. They're handing their shareholders. How many people hear, oh, my God, it's about to split, or oh, I had a stock, it split three times. People love splits. You gain nothing financially. It's the same pizza. Zero. Whether your pizza's cut in two, four, six, eight, 12 slices, it's the same amount of pizza. But in the case of Google and Amazon, the what I would call the not smart investors, they're going to say, oh, now I can buy the stock at $150 a share instead of $2,800. The dumb money. That doesn't make sense to me. You know, we, we have this philosophy. We don't buy stocks strictly because it, it's got a – don't buy them because it's a high price. No, we ignore the price. Absolutely. You want to buy quality. And usually – those stocks are trading at 2000 and change or 3000 change. They are there for a reason. Value. And that's normally a pretty good one. So when we come back, we'll talk more about some of the great stocks that have made moves lately. We have a question from Rick in Maitland, and you can reach us at the office, 407-831-8002. Don't go anywhere. We're coming right back. Here's a quick list of things that you do not need from a financial advisor. They do not need to be in the tallest building in town. They do not need to have a one-size-fits-all program. They do not need a zombie apocalypse survival plan. Here are a few things you do need from a financial advisor. A firm that takes their fiduciary responsibility to heart. Your success is their success. Custom-built portfolios, not cookie cutters. The ability to use stocks, bonds, mutual funds, and exchange-traded funds to make the right combination of security and investments for each client. I'm Lee Seiler, the Stock Doctor. Let my team and I give you a complimentary portfolio checkup. Call 888-855-2855. That's 888-855-2855. Free financial review, no obligation, except for zombies. Zombies are on their own. everybody, we're back. You're listening to the Stock Doctor's Prescription right here on the Florida Man Radio Network. We appreciate you joining us. Remember, we're recording the show Thursday afternoon, and uh, right now, the market just closed. Let's kind of get a reading and see what happened. But we were in the midst of a little bit of a sell-off here late in the day, and it did continue on where the Dow Jones down 550 points uh, to close at 34,677. The NASDAQ down 221 at 14,220. And the S&P down 71 at 45.30. So as we've been talking about, not a great quarter. but the worst certainly, quarter in two years. Yeah, but it could have been way Sox. worse. It could have been way worse. I mean, you have a lot going on now. 
you, the Fed, you have the Ukraine-Russia situation, and now you're a lot of talk, if you turn on CBC, unless you live under a rock, a lot of economists, a lot of the talking heads on CNBC are talking about the yield curve and and how it's flattening and will potentially become inverted. So let me explain to you what that means. And we're talking more specifically the two-year treasury versus the 10-year treasury. And when the yield, you would think the longer you hold a bond, the higher interest rate. So if you buy a 30-year bond, you're going to get a higher interest rate than tying your money up for two years or for two years versus 10 years, you get a higher interest rate. But the way things are trading and the fact that the Fed is raising short-term rates, the concern is that the two-year yield will be higher than the 10-year yield. That is called a yield curve inversion. And that has been a highly accurate indicator for a saying that a recession is looming, a recession is coming. So it doesn't mean a recession is here. And it doesn't mean that it's absolutely going to happen. It's that the probability is more likely. And I think people, because of the news, because of, like you said, the dumb money focuses on the headlines and the headlines right now are this. So they they get uh, tunnel vision on this one piece of the puzzle where there's other leading indicators that are strong right now, employment and things like that. And, um, you know, expansion on supply and everything is is pretty high in demand. So until we see other indicators showing it, it's not time to start panicking. And it didn't even invert. No, it, it flattened. It, it got on there, but it did not invert. So, but here's the thing. Recessions are part of the economic ebb and flows. Yes. It's part of it. They always happen. And it's the severity is what you're concerned about. That We had a recession two years ago. Was it severe? For a few months. For a few months it was severe, but it didn't last long. It was fast. It was quick. The the recession we had in 08, 09, that was severe and that was horrible. Severe and slow. So if the yield curve inverts, on average, the time to a recession after the inversion is 16 months. And I'm going to get my crystal ball out and say that I think by historical standards, if we do see a recession, which I think if we are, it will be in 2024, I think it'll be mild. Okay. I I agree with you because most of the times recession is caused by high unemployment. Mm -hmm. We're not going to see high unemployment anytime soon. So let's talk about the average return for the S&P 512 months after the yield curve invert. Now, it hasn't inverted yet, but after it inverts, the average return over the next 12 months for the S&P 500 is 11%. So that doesn't mean if you see in the next week, month, two months, anywhere down the line that when it inverts to sell everything because that would be a very terrible decision. Go straight to cash. Even if if demand starts to decrease on supplies, so we have, you know, companies cutting jobs, there's still, what is it, like two job openings for every one person? So we could cut our job openings in half and still have enough jobs for people right now. So are looking correct, yeah. We could still absolutely be okay. Um, You know, and and one thing about this is that the way the jobs market is and the way uh, it, people are getting increased pay now because you're a valuable commodity if you're in the, the job market. I mean, Absolutely. people need you. Uh, I just don't see it being a, a really bad recession. And it's going to happen. We know this. It's part of the business cycle. It's in, what happens. Personal income increased uh, half a percent over the uh, in February over January. Yeah, and I, I, mean, I think that's probably pretty good. That's another thing. You have to think about the consumer in the United States. They are strong and healthy. 
They have $5.34 trillion in checking and savings accounts in cash. They've got another four point something trillion that are in money market funds. I mean, there's $800 billion less of credit card balances right, right now than there were at the height of the pandemic. They're healthy. Families, personal balance sheets are in the best shape they've ever been in. That's something. Let's take a question before we go to the millennial moment. Uh, listener question. Rick from Maitland asks, I've been watching Rivian, R-I-V-N, that trades on the NASDAQ, which is an EV, an electric vehicle company, since it IPO'd late last year, and that happened back in um, November of last year. So um, I don't own it, but it has fallen from a high of 179 and an IPO price of 78. Uh, it looks like a tremendous product. Is the stock at a buyable point right now around 45? We got this question in uh, several days ago, actually uh, last week. So Rivian's now trading at $50. I, I think Rivian, if you have time and patience, I have no idea how the stock is going to do between now and the next 12 months. I have no idea. I tend to think it's probably a little bit sold out, but it, it's also come off a low here recently. Uh, beginning of March, it got down to 33 and change. I was going to say, I mean, come off the low a little bit. I mean, it's cratered nearly, you know, 47% year to date. Think about this. So it was, uh, it got down to 179, up to 179. But in the last two weeks, it's up 50%. From yeah. 33 to 50. Quite a move. That, ladies and gentlemen, is a 50% move. When did this IPO again? And what was November of last year at $78. And, and the market days, was pretty hot at yeah, that time. And within so. days, it rallied to uh, to 179 and change. And EV was one of those buzzwords. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Mark, here's what I would do, uh, Rick. If I were you, I have no problem. Maybe not now because it's a little extended. It's hitting the 50-day moving average technically. If you want to buy some, maybe you, you buy on a pullback, half position, and let's see if it goes lower and then buy your other half. After they deliver something. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're really not delivering, and they've had a, a cut in production, too, because they have a, a supply chain issue. So um, that's my comment, Rick, on Rivian, and I believe I own some Rivian personally as well. So, uh, And again, that's it's a speculation right now. And you hear the music. You can just imagine the arms waving in the air. It is time for our Megalennial, with her millennial moment, Miss Nikki Ward. Nick, what do you have for us today? Skinvertising. Skinvertising. What is that? Besides a gross word, it's nothing that's new, but it is a term for the way that consumers show their brand love via logo or slogan tattoos. So, you know, I'm thinking Harley Davidson. I'm thinking Playboy, maybe a yeah. Nike swoosh, Coca-Cola, Disney. I mean, there's so many characters you could use for Disney, right? Also, too, I did see a Walmart tramp stamp on a gentleman. No way. I absolutely did. Anyone can request this picture. I will happily email them. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so. The, the Marine Corps has been doing this for years, by the way. <laughs> yes, they have. <laughs> I, I've got my open anchor. So. There you go. There you also, go. the Olympics. I mean, you think of that. That's yeah. a brand as well. So it now has hit the crypto crazies. So, Google and Instagram searches for crypto tattoos, including Bitcoin, Dogecoin, and Ethereum, surged 222% in the last 12 months. Wow. These are just searches, right? So, I don't know how many of them actually followed through with it and weren't just maybe drinking and Googling, 
as right. happens during a pandemic. Yes. So Bitcoin is the front runner today when it comes to specific tokens. It was raking in 1.9 thousand, so 1,900, average monthly Google searches compared to 700 for Dogecoin and 500 for Ethereum. So, I mean, what do these tattoos look like? So, there's a Shiba Inu, the dog, for Dogecoin. Terrible. There's a rocket for the whole to the moon craze. There is a very detailed bull, but most are variations of the Bitcoin B logo. I've actually seen someone have one of them. Really? Yes. And that's kind of what sparked this. And I was like, I hope they made enough money in that cryptocurrency to pay for for the the tattoo. Well, maybe at the time, but if they didn't, you know, get out of this, it's probably not. So, and there's also (laughs) the notorious, I don't know who it's notorious to, but a miser Scrooge McDuck. Apparently that's something that's popular with the kids these days. I have no idea. The uh, big uh, bank safe full of coins, swimming pool full of coins. Ah, Something like that. Yeah, I guess so. Scrooge McDuck. From from DuckTales. Yeah. So nobody's getting paid for this. This is just stupidity. This is just for consumers to express their love. This is capitalism. This is peak capitalism. I know a tattoo regret in the making. There's been a few companies that have offered like products or money for getting a tattoo on their body. There is a strip club where you could pay the dancers, the entertainers, the bar, everything with any type of cryptocurrency, including theirs, which is LGD, which is it's Legend Dance or Legends Gentlemen's Club or something in Las Vegas. And that was actually when the searches for Bitcoin there. tattoos hit the peak. And it was back in 2017. Really? And they only accept crypto. Okay. So we already have, have come to determination. These people are morons. I mean, how many in your generation have Harley Davidson tattoos? Like, Probably a lot. Come on. It, it's just same but thing, Harley different Davidson's way. Harley a lifestyle. Oh, jeez. You, you just wouldn't I, understand. I literally could hear someone on Wall Street Bets being like, crypto is a lifestyle. And then just they would just do the praying hands Most emoji. Most people that own cryptocurrencies are losing money. 41% of Gen Z and millennials have tattoos. Have a tattoo. All right. Well, that is Nikki Ward with her millennial moment on skin vertizing. So gross. It it is gross. I don't like it. All right. All right. We appreciate it, Nikki. I don't know what's going on with this, with our music here today. Oh, no. We might have to switch it up. Oh, no, no. We're going to keep it going for you. We know that. Uh, Look, I want to talk about one of my favorite stocks, and this is not a buy recommendation right now. But, um, you know, again, things have... I don't like to chase stocks. I have this real problem. chase anything yeah I besides just, drinks uh, and sometimes it chase my tail but i mean i feel like it anyway but i i think uh, nvidia is one of the great companies in this generation probably going forward and i'm not alone there's a lot of analysts out there but nvidia um last week that or two weeks ago had a real powerful investor conference and it was uh just unbelievable they're coming out with metaverse chips and omniverse technology and supercomputer chips that have to do with ai and and graphics and gaming um I mean, a lot of, for example, there's an, an analyst for Evercore, CJ Muse. He said, NVIDIA may be the most important technology company today. And uh, an analyst note, he has an outperform rating on it with a price target of $375. The stock's at 272 now, but it is, uh, it's, trem- it's a tremendous company. It caters to the data center and cloud computing Cloud computing, supercomputing, AI, machine learning, robotics, drones, automotive, autonomous driving, gaming, graphics, and the metaverse. 
That's a lot of end markets that all have one thing in common, growth. Yep, and their CEO said the company, uh, they're touting an $11 billion vehicle tech order pipeline over the next six months. So uh, their automotive business is going to be their next multi-billion dollar business, and um, it's going to be for autonomous vehicles, for artificial intelligence. I mean, those these vehicles have all that in it. I was hearing some whispers about how Waymo is going to start with their autonomous vehicles. They're going to start, they're going to launch autonomous vehicles as a, a ride hailing service in San Francisco. Really? Mm-hmm. I don't like it. I don't, I wouldn't even trust a normal autonomous no. yet alone somebody else's. I barely trust an Uber driver only because he's probably in better condition than I am to drive. That's exactly why I trust them. <laughs> All right, real quick. Uh, we only have a little time in this segment, but I want to talk about the month of April because the month of April is one of the best months of the year. In fact, April is the best Dow month of the year, averaging 2% since 1950. And uh, in ni- April 1999, had the first ever gain of 1,000 points. Partying like it's 1999. April 2020, it, it jumped 11% after the economy shut down. So it's, in general, a very, very strong month and one of the tops in of the 12. Uh, however, in midterm election years, April is not as robust. The Dow averages 0.7% gain, the S&P 0.2, and the NASDAQ. And don't uh, you typically see those gains after tax time, tax yes. filing? Yes. And this year, tax time is, Jared, April 18th? April 18th, the last day to file. Or you can file an extension, and we can work on it we can, Let's talk about that when we get back, because I know you're doing a bunch of taxes for clients and other people. We really appreciate you joining us. We have one more segment to go. You're listening to this. Stock Doctor's Prescription. Don't go anywhere. We're coming right back. Hi, I'm the Stock Doctor. As a thank you for listening to the show, we'd like to offer you a little something for free. Ideally, we would like you to trust us to manage your money. But if you're a hands-on type who wants to make those buy and sell decisions, you can still benefit from my decades of experience. Call 888-855-2855 and ask for the Stock Doctor's 30 Tips for Investing. 888-855-2855 and we'll send you a free copy. Hey, everybody, we are back. You're listening to Stock Doctor's Prescription right here on the Florida Man Radio Network. The number's to reach us at the office for a number of reasons. If you want a free portfolio review, call. If you are local in Central Florida and you still are in need of getting your taxes done, we have the ability to do that here. Jared Bocart will do uh, is our tax preparer. And I know you've, you've been uh, knee-deep in, in a lot of tax stuff over the last couple of days. I've been putting in... Burning the midnight oil, I guess, yeah. to say the least. But I uh, still got time for a little bit more. Like I said, I'll be taking I'll be taking some returns through the tenth um, or whenever I feel like. If you I, file an extension, though. It, yeah, if you file an extension, if you want to file an extension, you can come here. We'll file an extension for you. Just pay you. But the people don't realize with an extension, you still have to pay an estimated tax due, but you don't have to actually file the return. A lot of people assume, oh, I filed an extension, I don't know anything, and then they get hit with 
Uh, they hit nice fines at the end when right. they do owe. You still have to pay your estimate. You still have to pay your estimate. And it, I mean, realistically, you just get it close, and then you, you might owe a little bit of fines if you are if you owe a little bit more, but it's better than owing 5% of your income every month or yep. your, your taxes due every month. All right, so the uh, number to reach us for any of that, that's a portfolio review, absolutely free to get your taxes done. That's not going to be free, but if you need some tax advice, you can talk to Jared Bocart. Uh, number 407-831-8002. 407-831-8002. What we're going to start doing, too, after the tax season's done is going over some people's tax plans and how it fits into their retirement portfolios. A lot of people don't think about taxes being part of their retirements, but it is a massive part. And, if and you, it could become if you, more massive. It, it could. And if you don't, if your retirement plans and your tax plans are not coinciding with each other, you can, it could cause some serious problems. And we find a lot of people don't re- kind of realize that. And they might have somebody does their taxes, somebody does their finances, and they're on two separate pages. And then when you get to retirement, that can cause some, cause some issues. So if you want to see how those are, so those two coincide with your plan, just come here and we'll be able to Give you a look from both both sides of the table. All right, sounds good. Four zero seven eight three one eight zero zero two. The uh, president come, came out today and is proposing um, the release of one million barrels of oil per day for the next one hundred and eighty days from our strategic petroleum reserves. Um, it's a small dent. It's about five percent of our consumption on a daily basis as, as as a nation. In your opinion, guys, is this a political move? It's a I'm doing something move. Without a doubt. Look at me. Yeah. I mean, it's not going to do anything. It's a Band-Aid on an open wound. It's like the Federal Reserve, too little, too late. Yeah. I mean, look, that that's all good points. I think that uh, it, it may make a small difference, but it's not going to make a significant difference. Yeah, it made a difference today. Crude was down 4 or 5%, and guess what? It'll. I guarantee you by the end of next week, it'll be, <laughs> be, up, it'll be up 10 Aaron, you made a good point earlier. You were saying, because I was being negative, and I was saying that you know consumers aren't going to see this at the pump tomorrow. No one's going to just have a relief to see gas back at $3. And you mentioned that it might help coming down the pipe when we have those summer months where there's a lot more travel, particularly via vehicles. Well... I, yeah, I, that? No, that's... Uh, I, I stole your idea, yeah, so it was, yeah, I, I, he was brilliant. <laughs> Well, you know, um, based on we're talking energy and oil, we uh, we took down a new position for our clients that can assume single stock risk. There is a difference because if you own a mutual fund or an exchange traded fund, you're not taking single stock risk. So this may not be appropriate for all investors. It certainly is appropriate for investors that are growth oriented, that have a long term focus and that can assume single stock risk. So we took a position in Occidental Petroleum. Ticker symbol is OXY. and Not affiliated with the Sackler family. Correct. But uh, fundamentally, the company's outstanding. It, it trades at, at nine and a half times 2022 earnings with tremendous growth on their top and bottom lines. I mean, it's, it's part of a very important sector of the market right now. And what's more is that there are important people out there like Warren Buffett and Berkshire Hathaway that are buying up huge chunks of the stock. Literally, Berkshire has bought tens of millions of shares during the month of March. And when you take that into consideration, he also has a boatload of warrants. So when you when the SEC calculates his ownership, they automatically exercise those warrants, which are exercisable at $60 a share. 
The stock today closed at 56.74. Okay. However, he bought a boatload between 47 and 56 tons in the last few weeks. So he's going to own 22% of the company when those options are exercised. So assume that. And we know that Mr. Buffett is always a long-term holder and a long-term investor. So I don't mind writing his coattails on this one because you don't have to worry about his huge chunk of shares hitting the market. It's not going to happen. Yeah, he's, uh, he's not a day trader. I also like the fact that other insiders are buying as well. Uh, an officer of the company, uh, Vicky Holub, she just picked up over 14,000 shares at 56.24. That was a, a day or two ago. Um, and the last time that she purchased shares on the open market was nearly three years ago. And she that had an average price share of $48.15. So, I mean, this is this is Mr. Buffett's and, and Berkshire's and Charlie Munder. This is their sweet spot. This, this is a wheelhouse. We're playing this type it. of economy. This is their sandbox. Mm-hmm. This so is where money is made. Yeah. And so this that being said, um, being that this is a sweet spot, what's your thought about this? Um, why not follow his lead? Absolutely. I'd follow that man anywhere. You would? Minus McDonald's. Okay. Yeah, he does go to McDonald's, doesn't he? Yeah, and it depends on how the market's doing. If he gets that second, uh, what is it, McMuffin? McMuffin? And he pays for it in change. Egg McMuffin? Mm Mm-hmm. He gets two of them if it's a green day, but if it's down, if the futures are looking crappy... So it's still one day. He's one of the reasons I became a financial advisor. Really? Mm-hmm. I think he's probably the reason a lot of people do. Studying his investment philosophies and things like that, or the long-term being an actual business owner thought process rather than just, you know, an, a, an investor, I guess. I like that reason a lot better than somebody saying, yeah, I saw the movie Wall Street with Charlie Sheen. I want to become a broker. Oh, yeah. Reed or, is good. I've or, heard that. Or Boiler Room. Oh, my gosh. That's even worse. Or Wolf of Wall Street. So, uh, by the way, uh, Occidental Petroleum ticker symbol is OXY. And again, we don't know if it's suitable for you until you call and ask us. 407-831-8002. We'd like to know if it's suitable for you by to getting know. to know you. Uh, mortgage rates. Uh, the refis are absolutely plummeting. The average rate on a 30-year mortgage now jumped to 4.8%. Uh, the American population has been spoiled. I mean, we have been living with sub 4 and 3% rates for so long. Uh, we have not had rates above 5% since 2009. We are around, on average, 4.8 right now. I think 5% is a foregone conclusion. It's coming here very, very soon. Um, the first time... And, and by the way, in 2009, 5% was the first time it hit the rate since 1971. But it has run, in general, rates average 7 to 8%. That is in the history of, of rates. And just think at the beginning of this year, the average rate on America's most popular home loan was 3.22%. What I'm afraid of is people getting uh, a little bit greedy, say, well, I don't want to pay that high rate. I'll do an adjustable rate mortgage. Oh, no. That to me is scary. And I'm telling you, it will happen. And people are going to agree to those terms and not know what they yep. actually mean. Yep. And then all of a sudden, when you go down four or five years down the road, you're at 7 8% when you could have just gotten locked in at less than 5 right now. Um, let's talk about a few other stocks. Another stock in our top 10 holdings list. In fact, I think it's top five. Disney. Look, the stock has been, it's not been a great stock. It's not been the most magical place on earth. no. And look, they've had um, their their Disney Parks experience and products revenue have has exceeded expectation. But remember that their Parks and Experiences and Products division 
has still not recovered from COVID. Hasn't even reopened in Shanghai. Exactly. Paris. It, um, there are I mean, restrictions, restrictions around the crazy. world. There are people out there, believe it or not, that won't go to Disney because you have to wear a mask. But are they getting a Disney tattoo? We don't know that. <laughs> I bet you employees do. I, without a doubt. I, I bet you some employees. Look, Disney's on our list. It has not been a great stock. We think that at some point, this company, the, the value is going to come to the top. People are going to understand it's more than just a streaming service. Exactly. And that's where it's right now getting rated at. Uh, Citigroup reiterates their buy on Disney and they have a price target of one ninety one. It is uh, closed today at one thirty seven. Uh, Morgan Stanley has an overweight rating on again one of our holdings. Uh, Tesla T S L A. I've seen a lot of price targets on Tesla around twelve fifty thirteen hundred. Stock closed today, oh, not down much, but uh, down sixteen to close at one thousand seventy seven. Remember, Elon Musk is going to ask the shareholders, "Hey, can we split our stock?" Uh, they're not going to say no. Does anybody ever say no to that guy besides the SEC? No. Well, the SEC hates him. But I will say this, though. The, uh, the analyst at Morgan Stanley believes this company is a renewable energy play. Onshore infrastructure. And that's where they think Tesla fits in. It's not a car company. It's not a, a tech stock. It is a renewable energy onshore infrastructure company that is doing both. It's a triple threat. Which, which that's good right now. A lot of people are putting money into renewable energy because of what's going on with the Russia-Ukraine and the energy prices. They're trying to find alternative fuel sources and things like that. Yeah, yeah If that, anyone's the beneficiary of the geopolitical risks, it's Elon Musk. Sure it is. Uh, Mike, uh, Morgan Stanley also has an overweight, uh, reiterating overweight on Microsoft, MSFT. I like that stock a lot, uh, especially at these levels in the low 300s, close to the 308. They also have a reiterated buy on, I'm sorry, Webbush does, on uh, Amazon. Now, Amazon's interesting because they're going to split 20 for 1, and the stock had a huge rally from 26.74 to just, I'll tell you where, it just just closed, <laughs> excuse me, a couple days ago at uh, 3,400 and change, hit that high. So you've had a tremendous run here, and it needs to kind of pull back and, and just take a breather. I just saw that GameStop is going to ask its shareholders for a stock split in the form of a stock me? dividend. Oh my God, GameStop. Mm-hmm. The stocks, you know, the, the stock that or the place that no one has been into it since two thousand. Yeah. The idiots that buy this at one sixty six doesn't need a stock split. No, it's because they want to sell it to kids. Trendy, exciting. Yeah. It's like Camel cigarettes. <laughs> want to sell it to kids. All right, so uh, listen, we really appreciate everybody joining us today. And if we can help you with your portfolio, we can help you with your taxes, we can give you a free portfolio review. All you have to do is call the office 407-831-8002. That's 407-831-8002. Nick, real quick. And if you have any questions or anything you'd like us to discuss on next week's show, shoot us an email at feedback at stockdr.com. Yeah, and we had another question we could not get. We have several questions. We couldn't get to it, but we will next week. I I promise. Again, 407-831-8002. Get you on the phone with one of our advisors right here at Sonny Wealth Management. We appreciate you joining us. Everybody have a great rest of the week and weekend. We'll see you next week.